Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was just sort of following it happen, and you're sort of watching a sort of soap opera of drug dealing unfold in real time. I'm Maeve McLennigan, and this is The Tip Off. If I've learned one thing from making this podcast, it's that inspiration for investigations comes in many forms. Tip offs can happen when you least expect it, but I've never come across a story that started quite like this. I'm Ben Bryant, and I'm a senior writer and producer for BBC Three. The investigation started, as so many investigations don't, uh, at a party. It was February 2017, and I was at a house party at just a friend's house. Out of the corner of his eye, Ben spotted some guys he didn't know. Just some, some skateboarders who were there who were offering Xanax, three for £10, which was weird because I'd never been offered Xanax before, and also I just didn't think it was a party drug. Ben had heard of Xanax before, but only from US TV shows. Americans love convenience, right? Xanax is part of that trend. It can also be extremely addictive. How great is it that I started Xanax yesterday? It has been a Xanax explosion. It's become a popular recreational drug. But unfortunately for the rest of these schmucks, they have a lifetime of anxiety head, not enough Xanax to go around. Oh, then I take a Xanax. And it's all okay. Just Xanax. All the bad thoughts away. That's what my plan is. But here it was being offered around a house party in London. So it sort of set some cogs whirring in my brain, I think, basically. A few months passed and Ben had just started out working freelance after leaving his last job as investigations reporter at Vice UK. He'd spotted this government report that had been released late the year before. And that was all about the growing trend in the sale of prescription drugs across the UK. Nobody was really paying much attention to. And it was about this massive diversion of prescription medication. Remembering that experience at a party, Ben wondered if Xanax was part of that. Was there a massive rise in prescriptions across the country that no one had noticed yet? Ben pulled up the National Prescription Database and scrolled through until he found the drug listed. Ah, no. Then I found out that Xanax is hardly ever prescribed in the UK, so it was only prescribed 16 times by NHS England in 2016. Okay, so were those three for £10 pills that Ben was offered at a party part of those 16 prescriptions? Or was something else going on? Ben knew he needed to find out. And I was like, huh, that's weird. I wonder where they're getting this from. And obviously my first thought was, well, obviously the dark web. So that's when I started going down this rabbit hole into the dark web, trying to work out where it had come from. The dark web is as shady as its name suggests. 
If you know where to look, you can find all kinds of illegal things. Amongst them, a sprawling marketplace for illegal drugs. I mean, I've been really fascinated by it since Silk Road emerged in 2011. Partly because it's just, you know, such a crazy concept. But also because, as an investigative reporter, you're always looking for kind of new seams to mine for stories. And it felt like there was lots of things going on there that weren't really being covered at all. Ben started to search through known drug sale sites, places like Alpha Bay. And it didn't take him long before he found what looked like Xanax. Lots of it. I was in my house and I was at home on my computer. I just started researching and it, it was obvious straight away that, you know, it was available in really like huge quantities online, thousands of pills at a time, which was also unusual because even though there were lots of prescription medicines that were available on the dark web, they weren't normally sold in anywhere near the kind of quantities. Amongst all that, there was this one thing that really caught Ben's eye. And that was this this red Xanax pill that was being pressed. So this was a sort of super strength Xanax pill that was blood red, that was <laughs> called a red devil. And it was two and a half times stronger than a two milligram Xanax pill, which is already pretty strong. And uh, it obviously wasn't being made by a pharmaceutical company. So I wondered, where has this pill come from? Ben was onto something. If these weren't real Xanax pills made by the manufacturer, then someone was making knockoff counterfeits and selling them recreationally. Ben knew he had to keep digging. So I, w I went a little deeper and I, I started going through forums where darknet drug dealers hang out and talk, basically, and, and users hang out and talk as well. So there he is, scrolling through posts on Reddit and Alphabay's forum, which has since been closed down by the FBI. And then he struck gold. And that's where I started uncovering this really extraordinary cache of posts by somebody claiming to be the main distributor of these drugs. And there were hundreds of them. I mean, they detailed everything about how he was doing it. It was extraordinarily brazen. This guy called himself Hulked Benzo Boss. And according to the messages he was leaving on these forums, he was moving a lot of drugs. It was everything about the operation from how much he was selling to where he was selling it to places as far flung as Australia, Ukraine, Saudi Arabia, even America, which someone described as like selling ice to the Eskimos. And he was posting almost daily. So I, I sort of started following his posts every single day because I could. It was amazing because I had in front of me this perfect timeline of ostensibly a, a drug operation that was unfolding. It was sort of like, this is the entire story right here, basically laid out. It was an exciting lead, but it soon became clear this was not going to be a simple story to unravel. I don't think many stories are written about the dark web because the information is very difficult to verify. It's very difficult to find sources because everybody is anonymous on there, to find people to go on the record or to find law enforcement who are willing to talk about it because so many of the investigations are conducted covertly for obvious reasons. And you don't really find out what's happened until people are convicted. Sometimes that can be several years down the line. And so uh, the next part of the process became about trying to establish whether what he was saying was true and trying to work out how to do that, because that was something I'd never done before. It's a sort of unusual starting point for a story. Well, then the game was on. Ben was going to have to find out if Hulk's Benzo Boss was real. So Ben has found a huge cache of interesting messages online on a forum, and that's exciting, but he was going to need to keep careful records. I mean, things get deleted from the internet all the time. 
I mean, like, as soon as I saw it, I was taking screenshots of everything. I was just sort of saving everything I could, and it was, it was an enormous amount of information. I mean, it really, it really was everything that was there. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, well, the next stage was to see if the same guy bragging on his forums was actually anywhere selling these drugs online. Lo and behold, it was very easy. I mean, the guy who was posting on the forums was using the same username as the guy on the market, so it seemed to be that they were the same person. Even though it was an anonymous service, you could actually glean an awful lot of information about what a drug dealer was doing on there just from their profile. Customers would post feedback, and from that feedback data, you could ascertain all kinds of things about what was sold. The feedback was a way for anonymous customers, buying from anonymous dealers, to have some form of quality control. The idea being that if a seller has lots of good reviews, you can be a bit more sure that what they're selling is what they say it is. It's nothing that novel. I mean, the same is true of Airbnb or eBay. But it did mean Ben felt more secure that this guy, Hulked Benzerboss, was the real deal. So it was actually seemed to be very difficult to sustain a fake profile over a long time. This guy, Hulked Benzoboss, had been going by this point for over a year and had amassed certainly more than 16,000 sales by mid-2017, which is a lot. So it seemed like he was the real deal. It seemed like this was a genuine operation. And there was something else interesting about Hulked Benzoboss. It looked like he was based in the UK. I guess that was another of the advantages of Hulk Benzoboss was that the Xanax that he was selling all came from the UK. That was on his profile as well. And so the fact that it all came from the UK made me think, well, how is that possible if we don't really prescribe very much of this drug at all? 
there's no obvious way that he could be getting these quantities of, of this drug into the country. It became clear from the listings that these were fake drugs being pressed here in the UK. Ben wanted to find out more, so he thought, why not? I'll try contacting some of these dealers directly. Well, I just emailed them. <laughs> well, they were, they were some of the first people I went to because, you know, you kind of want to go to them first because you don't know how long they're going to be around for. I just said I wanted to interview them. Most of them didn't reply. One of them I did get a response from. I think he said, good luck. <laughs> some did reply, but these were anonymous drug dealers, not exactly a bona fide source. What it felt like I had with this story was it felt like I had this jigsaw puzzle that I thought was complete because I had the timeline of everything that had happened and all pieced together through Hulk Benzo Boss's comments on these various forums. And so I started talking to lots of other darknet users and drug dealers. I ended up with lots and lots of unreliable sources giving me information that at best was not verifiable and at worst was just completely wrong. And in some cases was easy to show that it, it was wrong. It was like I had a story that was a, a jigsaw puzzle except with a sprinkling of bits and pieces from the wrong puzzle thrown into the mix. Okay, so that didn't work. The next stage was to talk to the experts. I had this timeline of, of what had happened. The goal was to show as far as possible that it was reliable or to sort of identify who the dealer was or to just try and stand some of the story up because it might as well have been some fan fiction on the internet for all I knew. So I just started going to a number of different authorities. Ben tried contacting the National Crime Agency, but he didn't get much response. The Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, the body that licenses prescription drugs in the UK, they were more helpful. But it was a unit in the Thames Valley Police that really helped the story along. Which was eventually the way in which I got to the Southeast Regional Organised Crime Unit, who ended up confirming a lot of the details of the story for me. In August, the Southeast Regional Organised Crime Unit, which is a division of Thames Valley Police, said that they'd been investigating the supply of drugs in the Southeast region with one of our investigations focusing on the supply of Alprazolam, which was predominantly being sold as counterfeit Xanax. They said that they'd arrested a man in June and seized over 250,000 tablets. But it was actually the next part of what they said that, that was really helpful. They said that the tablets consisted of all of these counterfeit brands, so Xanax, uh, Sandoz, Greenstone, and Qualitest Pharmaceuticals. And the reason that was helpful is because there was only one person on the dark web who was selling those particular brands at the same time, and that was Hulk's Benzo Boss. You know, instantly it was sort of like, oh, this is a really interesting piece of the puzzle. I mean, it didn't prove that they'd found their man, but at the same time, the forums were showing that Hulk's Benzo Boss had gone missing. I couldn't get in touch with Hulk's Benzo Boss, and I couldn't get the police to say that their man was Hulk's Benzo Boss. But I did have this really useful link between the police and between the person known as Hulk Benzo Boss. He also put in a freedom of information request to the Border Force, as it was then known, to see if this fake Xanax had ever come across their path. So the FOI to Border Force actually became a, a really crucial part of the story. The first request I sent was in June 2017. And to cut a long story short, it took months. I didn't receive a successful response until February 2018. But uh, it was a really important piece of the puzzle because it showed that more than 50 kilograms of alprazolam powder had been seized in January 2017. 
and Border Force were intercepting up to 300,000 pills a month. And those were just the ones they captured. You know, and judging from the feedback, I mean, there were many more that were getting through okay. That gave the strongest possible suggestion of the scale of, of the problem from the authorities. That seemed like as close as I was going to get to showing that people were importing alprazolam powder from China for the purpose of pressing those pills in the UK. All this time, Ben was juggling writing up other stories as a freelancer. But sometimes there were fortuitous overlaps. Like one day, while he was working on a feature story for his old employer Vice, he found himself on a train heading to a drug testing lab in Wales. It's in Cardiff, but it's sort of overlooking one of the parks. It's, it's run by basically three people. And there's one sort of research scientist who tests all the samples. And I went in there and they, they had all of these different kinds of drugs there just sort of arranged on the table for us to photograph. I don't think they normally have them out like that. And they go through the mass spectrometer, which sort of analyzes each sample individually. I think they go through about 20 samples a day usually. And they just analyze them and log them and post the results on their website. And it's a really fascinating cross-section of what's happening in Britain's drugs environment, which has changed beyond all recognition in the last 10 years, basically, since the dawn of the dark web. It's just made all of these terrifying new substances much more readily available in a way that is, is rarely acknowledged. And it was really interesting talking to them in the end, because they said alprazolam, which is the uh, generic name for Xanax, had become in, in 2016, 2017, the third most commonly identified new psychoactive substance in their rankings. And they had no idea why. They were getting samples of it all the time. Okay, so Ben has a picture of just how big an issue this is. He knows how people are selling and buying this stuff. And that the powder is arriving in the UK and being pressed into fake pills here. But there was a huge chunk of the story missing. The consequences. Ben knew he needed to find people that had taken the drugs to find out what that meant. And he'd do that through a rather unusual method. The way I got to that was actually through Instagram. I mean, which sounds kind of improbable, but I was, I was searching online for Xanax, like loads. There was nothing on Twitter. And then there were a few stories, just sort of regional newspaper stories. I think there were three stories that I, I identified from 2016, 2017, about mass hospitalizations and blackouts, up to 20 teenagers at a time in some parts of the UK. And that made me think, oh, okay, well, obviously, young people are taking it. And I thought back to that party that I'd been at, where these skateboarders were trying to sell me three for 10 quid. And so I started going on Instagram, and suddenly it was, you know, it was like loads of memes. And I mean, it made me feel old, if I'm honest. Ben pulled out his computer and showed me one such post. Here, <laughs> So I am looking at one of the example memes, um, and it's just like, a collage of the things that make you a white boy from a middle-class family with tongue firmly in cheek, I assume. It's just basically a bunch of cool stuff. So it's got the Supreme logo, the clothing brand, the Oasis logo. It's got a Smiths album on there, some Marlboro cigarettes, a skateboard, a bucket hat, <laughs> a SoundCloud logo, and five Xanax pills. So Ben started to contact some of the people posting about Xanax. They were happy to talk about it and, and got in touch with some of them on Facebook as well and uh, just kind of started piecing together a cultural movement, if you can call it that. He started to hear disturbing stories, like 16-year-old Rob, who told Ben he'd regularly take fake Xanax at parties, mixing it with heavy drinking. On one occasion, he recalled taking 15 to 20 counterfeit pills, 
that's ten times the recommended dose, and washing him down with booze. He doesn't remember much of what happened next, but was told he went missing, only to be discovered by his mum's friend on the side of the road, 15 miles outside of the town he lived in. Actually, one of the really interesting things about pretty much all the teenagers I spoke to who had taken it, they, they would all take it with alcohol, but they had no idea that if you drink with benzodiazepines, it can basically send you psychotic, it can totally remove your memory, you can have really bad blackouts, and that's, I'm sure, partly why so many of these teenagers were getting hospitalised or experiencing these mass blackouts. In one case, Ben had heard a tragic story of a 19-year-old who had died with alprazolam in his system. Ben had been planning to include that story in his finished article, but at the last moment he decided against it. We'd spoken to lots of the friends of this 19-year-old, and in the end we decided not to run any of those interviews. His parents didn't want to speak about it. They respected what we were doing, but they weren't ready to talk. In the end, we, we took the decision that it, it was probably going to cause more distress to the family to include that case study. But after a year of looking into this, Ben had plenty of other worrying examples. There were so many stories by the time of the BBC piece of teenagers or young people generally who'd really kind of messed themselves up with a drug that they just thought was a party drug or, or thought was safe and, you know, were, ended up having seizures or, you know, with serious addiction to it. In a relatively short space of time, benzodiazepine addiction is, is a, one of the worst addictions. Most experts agree because partly because the withdrawal can be fatal. On one of the forums, Ben had found a guy called John. I direct messaged him on Reddit, basically. Yeah, I mean, he basically told me about uh, how he'd become addicted to Xanax and uh, how he went through a hellish withdrawal um, and uh, how he eventually managed to stop taking it. Um, And this had happened while he was in America um, a a few years ago. John described how he was picked up, put in a police station and left to go through withdrawal there. The next four to six days were just made up of hallucinations, wild, dreamlike scenarios that took place entirely in my mind as I lay for 24 hours a day in a fully lit cell with nothing to cover myself, no glasses, and being totally unable to see what was going on around me, he told Ben. By the time he was bailed out, he was severely underweight and completely psychotic. I was still hallucinating up to a week after having my last dose of Xanax, he said, and I was in indescribable pain and confusion. And so it became a sort of useful template for what many of these young people would probably be going through at some point. Because at this time there weren't really many withdrawal horror stories. Because, like I say, you know, the drug had only been around in the UK for, or the drug had only been popular with young people for like about a a year, if that, really. Um, It was just kind of gaining momentum and so it was still sort of at an early stage for people to be horribly addicted to it. Ben wrote a brilliant feature for the Sunday Times magazine in September 2017, and then later, after digging more into the dark web and the police angles, produced another fantastic long read for BBC Three Online. The depth of the digging was impressive. It's quite a weird story because I felt like I started with the whole story. I felt like I started with this timeline that I wanted to be true, for sure, but that I had to kind of go back and show that it was true as much as possible through as many official sources as I could find. I knew there was always going to be a story that involved case studies who would say, 
I took Xanax, I bought it from X or Y. Like, that's the obvious story to do. But the thing that makes it an investigation is that, you know, you actually sort of think about it a little bit more creatively, I guess, and how can you kind of stand it up? What sort of sources can you go to to show the scale of the problem and how can you make it more than just a kind of feature, really? The story spread. It featured on the BBC Six and Ten O'Clock News. And since he wrote those pieces, others have rushed in to report the rise of fake Xanax too. I'm really bad at reaction stuff. I kind of stick my head in the sand when the story goes out. <laughs> I just have terrible anxiety about it. But yeah, no, I mean, I think the reaction, you know, obviously, like, obviously I had lots of positive reaction to it. But I think that the real, the sort of moment of pride for me is that this is a story now that is being written about all the time. And it, it hasn't gone away since that first piece I put out in September in the Sunday Times magazine. People are still talking about this drug, and they weren't talking about it before, so I think I can claim a little bit of the credit for that. The thing that is really exciting for me with investigations is when, you know, you really feel like you found that kind of unicorn, and you have this story that, you, you know, no one else is looking at, and you put it out before anybody else has put anything out about it, and then it just snowballs, and it just grows and grows. And that's really cool. You know, I don't have any, like... I don't take ownership over stories once they're out. I'm not very good at that. I don't really have any input into where the story is going at the moment anymore. But that's the best feeling to have. The issue was raised in Parliament. And in April this year, the government announced a £50 million fund to tackle crime on the dark web. And I guess there's one more lesson to be learned from all this. If you see Ben at a party, be careful what you say around him. I'm never going to get another story at a house party. (laughs) That's all from this episode of The Tip-Off. Thanks to Ben Bryant. You can find links to his stories in the show notes. I'm Maeve McLennigan. This episode was edited by Chica Ayres. Our theme music is by Dice Muse, and other music in this episode by Poddington Bear and The Losers. If you have a minute, please do give us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And stay tuned for more stories behind the headlines. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.